Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This week's podcast focuses on the first sign in the Gospel of John. I don't want to spend too much time talking about things like the authorship of the Gospel of John today. We know the Gospel of John is so different to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and that 92-93% to of what is written in John isn't in the other three Gospels. John doesn't tell any parables or mention any exorcisms. John focuses a third to 40% of his Gospel on the final week of Jesus, much more than any other Gospel. But John doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus or the start of the ministry of Jesus, but he begins like Genesis, in Archae, in the beginning. And throughout the book, there are numerous references to Genesis. John was written so that people would believe who Jesus is. This is what John says in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. In John, there are seven signs, miraculous events that highlight a truth, so intent on us knowing these signs that John identifies the first two, labelling them as the first and the second signs. As a follower of Jesus, I'm curious to know what John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, was so wanting us to understand. So over the next seven weeks, I want to explore the seven signs that John was so keen for us to know. The first sign is transformation, the turning of water into wine. This is how John shares his first sign in John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 in the New Living Translation. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not my problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. (coughs) When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Before I discuss the sign, I just want to add a short side note. In verse 11, where it talks about Jesus revealing his glory, it's important that we know what we mean by God's glory. It's often explained as a splendor, as a magnificence, or as being something that you would imagine Hollywood producing as a special effect. But that's not what Jesus means. 
In fact, in Exodus 34, God defines his glory as his character. This is what it says in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations. Character is how God reveals his glory, not monuments or bright lights. He wants to be revealed in the lives of the people who follow him. I reveal the glory of God when I do what he says, and I'm transformed into his likeness. Notice judgment doesn't get mentioned until God has expressed his loving kindness and willingness to forgive. Okay, back to the first sign. So Jesus' first recorded miracle happens not with staging, no publicity or intention of maximum exposure, but almost it seems against his will. Jesus is asked by his mother to intervene. Mary knows something about a son, something divine, that he can somehow solve any problem, however unlikely. Any crisis can be left with Jesus. Jesus says something that's hard to imagine. Sure, I don't know how he could change water into wine. But I can't work out why it says in verse 6, he tells them to take all six of the water jars. I mean, holding to 20 to 30 gallons, and so each one would hold 75 to 112 litres. Surely three would have been enough. The reason I'm surprised he took all of them is because these water jars were used for ceremonial washing. Some of them they used to wash the hands and feet of visitors that came to the home, the job of the lowest servant. With one jar they would pour the water to refresh, to cleanse, and another jar they would collect the excess water. The jar that you poured the water from to refresh and to cleanse was called the jar of honour. It provided that refreshment and welcomed relief from the dust and the heat of the road. But the jar that collected the excess water was called the jar of dishonour because it received but never gave out. It was filled with stale water. In 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21, we see that same idea is expressed. This is how it reads in the New King James. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some of honour and some of dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Jesus doesn't just make wine of fresh water. He uses the stale water too. He didn't say, just use the vessels of honour. He wanted them all used. When Jesus transforms the water into wine, it doesn't matter what the water was like, fresh or stale. In the same way, it doesn't matter what our history was. When we are transformed by Jesus, our past doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we sinned a lot or a little, whether we were unrighteous 
or self-righteous. Jesus transforms us into new creations. We are made new, not by who we were, but who he is. The first sign of Jesus is our lives being transformed. My good friend Ken tells me you cannot meet God and remain unchanged. He's right. As Augustine said, he loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Whatever you've done, whatever your past, follow the advice of Mary, who so eloquently says in verse 5, do whatever he tells you. When you follow Jesus, you will be transformed, not just from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, but you will also be transformed into a new creation. Whatever you do this week, I encourage you, do whatever Jesus tells you. Thank you for joining the Cultivate podcast. If we can help you with anything or you'd like some notes, please email us at crosscultivation at gmail.com. God bless.